You're listening to Lights Out, where we'll talk about all things Formula One. From racecraft and strategy, to politics on and off the grid, and just about everything else in between. This is our call to the girls, gays, and theys who might have never considered themselves sporty, that now is the time to get into sports. Or at least this sport. And to the guys, welcome to the ladies' locker room. We're your hosts. I'm Kate. My name is Kennedy. And with that... Your second favorite podcast host. Oh, shut the fuck up. Kate, this week we have Kennedy, the beautiful and lovely and wonderful and illustrious Kennedy Barba in our home. (laughs) Look at her hair today. It looks spectacular. She used, ladies and gentlemen, a curly shampoo and conditioner. I did. The curls are out in force. They look spectacular. We are here the day after the Qatar GP. To give you our impressions, we had a lovely time watching the Qatar GP. We're having a lovely time spending time with one another, and we hope you have a lovely time listening. But, you know, it's been a Monday. So, like, we're currently cooking French onion soup for dinner. (laughs) We opened the wine a solid hour and a half ago. We all are wearing um, turtleneck, like, cozy sweaters, but then, like, like sweaters you would wear out of the house, uh-huh. but then sweatpants on the bottom. Like it's like total comfort coat. I'd like to say for the record, this for me is an outside outfit. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, yes, I'm my, I'm, I'm going to speak I for myself these, and uh-huh. producer Sof. We're both in inside. Sure. Bottom wear. Sure. This is an outfit that I have worn to a professional workplace. More than once. No, it's it's great. <laughs> I I wa- I saw you. Okay. I watched you wear it. That wear, sounds weird to say. I I we worked alongside remotely together. I work at this point. <laughs> I work for a contemporary digital publisher. You're for a cool place. So I feel as though I could wear arguably any batshit insane outfit, and it would be okay. So I, it's fine. I don't, and I can't. Mm-hmm. So it was quite a treat to be lazing about today something a little different for this week we are on a hard stopwatch for this episode this is as thanksgiving week a very busy week Mm. we want to be respectful of your time respectful of your time we've each had a glass of wine and a half Uh or something keeping it loose (laughs) yeah something around there speed round qatar gp i mean to be fair the race, yeah, sure, not a lot happened. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, if we had to choose, look, I mean, if I was going to choose any race to do a speed round for, it would have been um, Spa, where they didn't race, but <laughs> which we absolutely did not, and no, we, we like an provide hour an hour long episode on yeah, yeah, yeah. B roll. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I don't have any regrets about that, but I still think about the bucket hat Heineken girl. Oh, when we were at the, I almost said the French GP. When we were at the Austin GP, we were like, ooh, do we get, we drink liquor. But we were like, ooh, do we get Heineken specifically for for that girl? Like to pour one out for her? Like in tribute? Yeah, no, no, we didn't. We also couldn't find a bucket hat that we wanted to purchase. I don't regret that we didn't. It was really rough. Because I 
don't like beer in general, and I specifically am not a Heineken gal. And they were astronomically priced. I mean, listen. Yeah, I was like, if I was going to pay $25 for something, it was going to be liquor, not Heineken. Anyways, the Qatar GP. Honestly, so it was the first time that we were at this circuit for F1. It's been used in the past for MotoGP and other levels of formula in specific, yes, it's the French onion soup you hear bubbling in the background. Let it happen. It's I need to cozy, eat. cozy vibe. We're giving you cozy fall vibes, okay? If you hear a little bubbling, either think of it as a witchcraft spell, which is equally likely for us, or what it actually <laughs> is, which is French onion soup. Anyways, the the circuit in Qatar, the La Salle International Circuit. La Salle. Low Sale. I thought it was like La Salle, La, La Salle like La Salle University. No, no, it's Low sail like boat sail yes i was very thrown <laughs> so it has been used for other levels of formula most notably checo perez in formula i want to say gp3 i'm now forgetting but honestly it doesn't matter that much it was in i believe gp3 checo had been a champion there he was essentially the only driver from this weekend who had raced there in any level of recent memory because as previously mentioned, it is mostly or was mostly a MotoGP circuit. Yes. So it was our first time at Qatar for F1. It was a night race. It was a night race. So immediately plus 10 points. Yeah. Night race. Mm-hmm. Always great. Um, I love the lights. In no way, <laughs> I would say we've had so many worse races, both this season and broadly in Formula One sure. in terms of like less interest to watch. Sure. So I wasn't mad at this GP by any means. Mm -hmm. I will say the only place anybody was overtaking was on the pit straight with DRS. Which I would say broadly, like every Middle East circuit that I have seen, that is the way it is. It blows my mind. There's like something about the construction of them where the only, even like their high speed circuits usually... But mm-hmm. the only place that you can actually functionally overtake is with DRS on the straight. It just sometimes feels like the overtake bits is an afterthought mm-hmm. when they're constructing those tracks because they pour a lot of money. Formula One as an event brings a lot of money into places and there are wealthy people that want to invest. So it's really disappointing that it's just like not great as it could be for the amount of money that they invest into the tracks. You'd think that like they had a little pizzazz, but they just don't. I'm so sorry. I'm stirring the French onion <laughs> soup. I told you I was making French onion soup. This is a one take. It needs to be stirred sometimes. Episode. I'm so sorry. Okay. Yes. No, I completely agree. The interesting thing about a lot of the circuits in the Middle East is... The money from the Middle East in Formula One as a sport is like fairly recent Mm -hmm. if you look across like the entire history of the sport sure and those tracks have definitely been developed with like a different ethos and concept in mind as to what is the purpose of a race and like what is its value as a piece of entertainment Mm -hmm. because largely they really favor high speed but they don't necessarily do a lot for like wheel-to-wheel racing for overtaking right any of that it's more about the spectacle of like wow look how fast this thing can go yeah which for the way that i like to view the sport isn't as attractive i there i'm like less enamored of like 
the engineering and mechanical excellence of the cars to be able to go XYZ speed. Right. And like, it's much more fun for me to like watch people overtaking at weird parts of a track. Mm-hmm. I'm also at a point in the season where I'm like, can a girl get a safety car? Like an actual honestly, safety car at some point. Honestly. And that's why. The spread um, is too much. <laughs> this, oh. But that's why the last race was because what did we have? I don't know. I didn't. I I didn't watch. <laughs> what did Sophie, we have? What did we excludes have? Kennedy from conversation? Yeah. Overtakes and <laughs> safety cars. And did we? Yes. And safety cars. Yeah, and that's and that was part of what was exciting is that those it scrunches everybody up because mm-hmm. this track was. Not as bad as some in terms of so some circuits that Not we've seen as this bad season. As the US. There's like four seconds between every single car. What we saw here was movie. Lewis and Max, and then like a full minute, mm-hmm. and then Shaco and Valtteri until things went horribly wrong, and then like twenty seconds, and then like the Ferraris, and then fifteen seconds. So and then the rest. And then the rest. And so it's been worse in that, like, there has been races where every car is kind of marooned on their own for most of the race, which is incredibly boring to watch because, of course, everyone's just kind of running their own race at their own pace. And I feel like as a driver, they would never say this. I mean, Max has said it on the radio in previous seasons. They would never say this publicly. But it's, like, kind of boring to drive like that because you're in this sport to compete. Like, it's, like, you want to be battling and, like, that's the exciting shit. Like, I don't want to just, like, drive around in a circle for two hours. So this race, I mean, look, we're not going to bury the lead. Lewis won. Max got second. Shocker of the year. We spent a lot of the broadcast on that. I don't have a lot to report about that pleased for the affiliation that this podcast has pleased pleased yeah. with the outcome of the, yeah. the first half I mean, on the podium snaps for lewis as always he had a special helmet for this race that was advocating for lgbtq rights which in the middle east especially we really commend on the podcast but beyond mm. that there was nothing else interesting really to cover right. from my perspective. Uh, I did appreciate that Max was like, um, I've seen the battle before me and I'm just going to recognize that we're not going to win today. Yeah. So cheers. I see no other reason to cover the top two slots on the podium. No. Kennedy hit us with who was number three. So pretty exciting. Uh-huh. Uh, new podium sitter uh, for this season. New podium sitter for this season and some recent seasons. Kate's, all-time favorite driver it's like uh the silver medalist spanish driver in my heart Mm, mm, always number two yeah fernando alonso got his first podium since 2014 which like one hunt to fernando shout out 105 races have passed since he's received his last podium Uh I thought that they were like, it's his 105th podium. Oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't make any sense. I thought we were making a big deal out of Lewis getting one. He's one hundred and two now. Yeah. Um, No, Fernando has, this is his 97th or 98th podium. I do not know that statistic. Ooh, I think it's 97th. Someone fact check me. 98 podiums. Fernando's had 98 podiums. Yeah. 
but he hasn't been on the podium. Granted, he took a couple of years off and then he came back. But something I think I appreciate. So his teammate, Espan Ocon, due to the teamwork between him and Fernando Alonso, Espan Ocon got his first podium this season in Hungary. Super exciting. That was a fun race. Fernando Alonso, when there was an opportunity that he could get into the third position to be on a podium, Mm -hmm. he basically radioed in and was like, hey, tell Esteban he's got my back now. And Esteban had to... What's even better, that is the ethos of what Fernando said, but I love his exact phrasing, which was... Tell Esteban to defend like a lion, which is both hilarious and adorable as a phrasing to have chosen, which was essentially, please try and keep Checo Perez behind as long as possible, because I do not have the pace by comparison to a Red Bull, but I would very much like to get third place in this race. I would love to be on a podium. Yeah. So, so it's very exciting. It was really sweet because at the end of the race, Esteban Ocon ran over, similar to Fernando Alonso when Esteban got his podium, ran over and gave Esteban or gave Fernando a big hug. It's kind of funny because the height difference between Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon is very similar to the height difference between myself and Kate. So it's like, it's like us running and embracing. Fernando could use a pile of books is all I'm saying. Yeah. For the yeah. headshots, at least. Um, but the alliance that they formed is as, very powerful. As, a, you know, a Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger duo. Yeah. I, it, it was really exciting and it was really mm-hmm. sweet. And they gave, like, they were, I mean, Esteban's just so sweet. He's like a little puppy. He's so excited. But it's just, it was a great win for Fernando. Yeah. And, and it was just an exciting win for Alpine overall. I think, yeah. like, these little highlighted moments, they have been truly over the last four seasons been coming back and gradually growing, you know, from a Renault to an Alpine and really Mm -hmm. this rebrand has, has done wonders for them. So super exciting. And I believe Alpine has been fighting for for fifth in the constructors championship with Alpha Tauri. You know, they've had some great moments this season. They've definitely had a lot of races that like weren't amazing, But I think, obviously, to have a podium for each of their drivers in one season is really, like, to be commended. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I mean, like, as I said during the Hungary episode when Esteban took his maiden win, yeah, I mean, I've been tough on Fernando Alonso, and I probably will continue to be as long as he's in the sport because there are things about that that I take question with. Mm -hmm. But... I fully think like he deserved his third place podium in Qatar and I was yeah. happy for him to have gotten it. Yeah. I mean, he's a world champion and yeah, that's a very team. long time to yeah. go without like being on the podium. And yeah. Like he's a multi-time world champion. It gave me a good chuckle that everyone looked extremely sweaty on the podium this time. <laughs> I think it's just a combination of like it was warm in Qatar and also like it's a night race, which is great, but it also means like the lighting is much more harsh. Yeah. On the podium, like there's no natural light there. So everyone looks a little more reflective, which I just found hilarious. <laughs> the next thing I want to hit, Kennedy, as a topic area is. This was another race. I swear to God, I did not wear my cursed Pirelli t-shirt. 
However, it felt like you did. It felt like I did because we saw not one, not two, but three tire failures. Front left tire failures. Front left tire failures across this race, which if you've ever watched an F1 race, you've seen them or heard them talk about like, oh, like the medium tire can go 27 laps on this circuit or they whatever. They give an estimation as and to they the give life an, of a yeah, tire. They yeah. give an estimation. and Based on the compound and science. Yeah, usually those estimations are very generous. So it's like you'll get peak race performance for about 30 laps and then like maybe kind of bad performance for like 8 or 10 laps. Right. And then like you're kind of in the danger zone after that. In this race, so the medium tire was supposed to go 30 laps, I believe, at this circuit. Mm-hmm. And like everybody who took the medium tire to like lap 32 other than Fernando Alonso, their front left was immediately like, actually, I'm done. And completely delaminated and entirely failed. Yeah. Which was kind of insane to watch. So Valtteri Botas was the first person to experience that. and Pour one out for our homie Valtteri. And he Our ended up friends, which he, I would have never called at the beginning of the season, but for real, um, he ended up not finishing the race with like three or four laps left. Like it was yeah. really sad, but because it just like the, the <laughs> so it's like, what? She didn't watch. So, but it was just one of those things where it was, it was a point. I mean, Pirelli has experienced some issues with tire, tire failures, tire failures. Yeah. I mean, most notably, Max Verstappen and his accident. Can't recall the race off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah. where he, sure. he, you know, out of nowhere was leading a race and then... And Lance Stroll in that same race. Right. Immediate tire failure and ended up taking like a 200 mile hit. Like, yeah. just very scary circumstances. And I, 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 I feel like I'm like the safety captain here. I say this a lot, but like it is a high stakes game and... Yeah. These people are doing this for our entertainment and putting their lives at risk. So like it's it's quite scary when you see that kind of stuff because yeah. as much as a girl wants a safety car, she doesn't want it for like a real reason. Like a it's real like, scary I want, reason. Like, a lame safety car, like somebody's front wing yeah. just like kind of fell yeah. off and there's like debris on the track. Like That's I don't like, want oh. a real incident. I want yeah. I want like a everybody's okay, it's just an inconvenience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> an inconvenience. I want an inconvenient safety car yeah but yeah so we saw in this race Valtteri Bottas George Russell and Nick Latifi so yes you heard correctly both Williams see major tire failures very sad ultimately Valtteri retired from the race and I believe one of those Williams retired from the race as well and the other one went on to finish but either way let's be honest they were Williams at the end of the season they weren't gonna finish high anyway not this season at least nope but that was pretty much what there was to cover from the racing. We yeah. saw a continuation of what we talked about last week when it was Soph and I on the mic of more posturing between Mercedes and Red Bull to try and give one another as many oh, penalties as they possibly already. can. Yeah. Where it's just like, not for nothing, but if I was a 13-year-old Wattpad author. This enemies to lovers tension. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Christian and Toto. mm Like, I, as an adult person, don't want that at all. But, like, I can sense a younger fan base (laughs) that's panting for it in a way that it's not entirely comfortable. 
Anyway, yeah, I, I... But yeah, we saw a continuation of this, like, posturing between Mercedes and Red Bull. The long and the short of it is, in this case, Max ended up taking a five-place grid penalty. It didn't matter for the race. No. The same way a five-place grid penalty doesn't really matter for Lewis. They both have so much more pace than every other team that a five-place penalty on most circuits doesn't make a big difference. So yeah, they eat that for breakfast every day. <laughs> yeah. So we shall continue to Saudi Arabia, the second-to-last race of the season. And it, it is it is tight. That title contention. Listen, I know we have gone on and on about how we're over this. However. I'm going to stir the soup really quick. Um, okay. <laughs> However... The eight-point difference between <laughs> between uh, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, Max in the lead for the world championship, is making these last two races pretty exciting. Usually, the season kind of winds down at this point, mm-hmm. where uh, the whoever the championship contender is is sort of fairly locked in. Yeah. But whew, I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah, it's still very spicy, and there's still... I honestly did not think we were going to get this late in the season and have it still be so undecided. Uh-huh. And I didn't really think we were going to get all the way to Yas Marina and have that be the tiebreaker, which it's looking disturbingly like it might be. I... Which gives me a some lot worries. of anxiety. <laughs> because as we have some well-documented concerns about Yas Marina at Abu Dhabi. Or Abu Dhabi at Yas Marina, I guess. But yeah, uh, we'll see. I'm certainly fascinated almost against my will, given the level and amount of coverage over it. Sure. But yeah, I think certainly it is, if you're looking from like a general populist lens, a lot more exciting than like last season, Lewis had it sewn up like nine races before the end or something right like was so ludicrously far ahead of everybody else that it was sort of like and mercedes wins again which like didn't bother me at the time as like a semi-casual mercedes fan as a lewis girl and a lewis gal but i understand the benefit in at least some ways to the sport of like the rivalry that is happening this season but beyond that i kind of think i don't really have anything else super of note from Qatar. I have a I have a bit of news. Hit us with the news. Phone, I usually have little papers that I try to shuffle by the mic so it's official. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just so these masks? We ooh, oh, that is a wild too sound. much, too much. Okay, so that was the sound of two N95 masks <laughs> right by the mic. Just, we are still COVID safe on the pod. <laughs> so we have just one little bit of news just to follow up. Right after the gals recorded last week's episode, it was as a, promised. In as fact, promised on Tuesday, on Tuesday was announced that Italian driver Antonio Giovinazzi will no longer be racing in Formula One at Alfa Romeo. Um, Or, in fact, at all. At all. Sad. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I do. Okay. I feel sad. Like, no, I feel it is sad. It's legitimately feel, yeah, sad. Legitimate He's been in the race for three years. It's Brandon legitimately Antonio. sad. He, he is a Ferrari. Ba- he has fantastic hair. He is a Ferrari based driver he's yeah. part of the ferrari no no, no. for he's For-furry he's in ferrari's academy. academy i'm drunk he's in ferrari's academy we said we had too much wine before we recorded this okay what we would like to communicate is antonio giovanazzi geo giovanazzi Gio. the Gio. single and lone italian driver in the sport of formula one at this time is now sadly without a seat for the, the 2020 season season, season. in formula one so True. alfa romeo as we've reported on uh valtteri botas is leaving mercedes at the end of the season he is going to alfa romeo and will be considered their lead driver although you know it's not like a thing there's no favorites their lead driver for the next season Antonio's seat was kind of up for contention. He really was driving to survive. He's the only Italian driver. The Italian government got involved at one point. It was it was a lot. But ultimately, Formula One is a very expensive sport. And teams need money. Alfa Romeo had decided to take on Formula Two title contender, Chinese racer Guan Yu Zhou, to be their, or their second seat for for 2022 i was gonna say racing partner because i was trying to be you know diplomatic about it uh-huh. uh but their their second seat yes which we had reported on before with a massive mispronunciation of guan yuzhou's name yes we did on the podcast see this coming but also so did the whole world of motorsport so we can't take that much and credit, we were also but... like really we we're hoping for Antonio. I was pulling for Gio, but you know, we can't uh, having great hair and being successful in the sport of Formula One, as right. it turns out, are not the same thing. Right. Guan Yu actually brings thirty million dollars worth of Chinese sponsorship to Which to be fair Alfa is Romeo a team. lot of money. That is a especially for Alfa Romeo. Yeah, cash is king. That definitely buys Valtteri a new Finnish sauna. If nothing oh, else. Absolutely. That's absolutely. a lot that buys a lot of espresso. We recently found out, I just want to document very quickly. In a video, it was disclosed that Valtteri on a race day, not even a regular, like non-race on a racing day, has 10 shots of espresso. And I would like to say for the record that I, with documented anxiety and the heartbeat of a jackrabbit, <laughs> would be pronounced dead on the scene well before eight shots of espresso. Right. So how this man gets to 10 on a day when he competes as a professional that athlete tolerance. is absolutely beyond me. And I would like to study him from a scientific perspective, if given the chance. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to close out. So it's not all sad for Antonio. He actually is moving from Formula One to Formula E, the electronic, fully electronic version of Formula Racing. He's going to the Dragon Penske team for the 2022 season. So certainly can catch him racing again. More than happy to do a whole episode talking a little bit more about Formula E and how it differs a little bit from Formula One, but you can look out for that in the future. Bittersweet. Congratulations to Antonio Giovinazzi. Best of luck in the next chapter of racing for you social the social media star of media star of, star of the week power star of the week star it up of the week i just want to call out something it's maybe my social media uh-huh god so fernando alonso got his podium 
first podium since 2014. Mm-hmm. Formula <laughs> One decided to make this post. In 2014, this is what was happening when Fernando Alonso was last on the podium. Uh huh. The Apple Watch had just been announced. LeBron <laughs> James had returned to the Cavaliers. Vine and the Ice Bucket Challenge was taking the world by storm. Guardians of the Galaxy was about to premiere. Um, And Lewis Hamilton only had one world title. And then Germany beat Brazil and then Argentina to claim the World Cup. I don't know what about this, (laughs) but this post gives me the vibes of like, did you guys, I don't, we grew up in very different places, but in my yearbook at school, like whatever company printed my year, like my yearbook that we'd sign, they'd stick like a little current events leaflet in the back. (laughs) And it was like things that happened in this year. That is what this post is giving me. Like Hoff Heinz, Jones, whoever freaking printed my middle school book. This is, this is it. I, they did not do that in our yearbook, but I, several of those events made me feel old in a way I don't like. It was 105 races ago. Um, but so can I, so that's, I think, an incredible, just that post alone is just your social that media post, star. Just that one. I, I just like, it's it's crazy interesting to me that have, someone thought that that was great. I don't know who did, but. It's, it's kind of amazing. Well, I have like two. One sure. is like a comedy social media star of the week because it was a post I laughed a lot at. And then one is just, like, something I enjoyed on social. Okay. So the first is that uh, I believe it was the Alpine, like, official account uh-huh. posted this. Mm, how do I characterize this? Poster mm-hmm. prior to the Qatar GP with Fernando <laughs> and Esteban and the car and the desert and a falcon. Excuse me? Kind of all photoshopped into one incredible amalgamation of an image. Did this get sent in the group text? Yeah, it did. It did. Because I thought it was so funny. Um, What? So that post is (laughs) fucking hilarious. And I love it so much. Who made it? I want to know who's doing the photoshopping for the team. A lot of teams have reached a point, Formula One official themselves, in the season where they're like, frick it. We only have... Three, three, two to three races left. Why don't we just pull out whatever we got? What? I just, yeah. So like that post kind of wins social media star of the week for me because it was by far the funniest post I saw in advance of the race this past weekend. Uh-huh. My second social media star of the week, which is like less funny, is whichever digital content employee has been posting the additional posts to Lewis Hamilton's story for the last two race weekends, Mm -hmm. has done a lovely job photo editing. They've had a really nice filter that I can't really quite describe, but the photos of race weekend happenings for both this race and the previous Mm -hmm. in Brazil at Interlagos were beautiful photos. And the thing is, I know for a fact that Lewis isn't taking them because he's in many of them. Um, and they're not otherwise credited he's photos. He's just that good. <laughs> they're not otherwise credited photos, and they don't appear on the Mercedes socials. So I don't know who is taking these photos. But they're beautiful photos, and they're nicely edited. And I've been enjoying the aesthetics that they're communicating to me. I love good content. But, like, digital bite-for-bite bite 
from a comedy perspective. That Alpine, <laughs> that Alpine pre-race image will live in my memory for quite some time. Yeah. And I really want to make a version with you and me in it because I think it'd be really <laughs> funny. But I just don't know if I have the time right now. Oh, oh my gosh. It's the sun that's the like the little Just sun. the lens flare. You need to see it again. It's like produced by Zack Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> oh my day. They just did the, the Mad Libs version of like what's in pop culture right now and they were Send like this to our group chat that's again. what we're making that is that is fully getting a repost and i love it a lot and so that is my social media star of the week is that post because it's amazing and at the end of a triple header it is the bit of joviality that i really, really needed is. to carry me through i'm very excited to take this little wee holiday break for us in the u.s yeah. Have a weekend off with no Formula One. Yeah. And then <laughs> the last two races of the season. And then a disturbingly short amount of time until the next season starts. So we have two more races left. Saudi Arabia, Abu Dhabi. Watch the space. We will happen to be recording all together again. You can catch us on TikTok at Lights Out F1 Pod Gals. And on Instagram at Lights Out F1 The Podcast. You can always leave us a rate and a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our notifs on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. You could take someone else's phone and ha- follow our podcast. Uh-huh. And, and then put then, the noties on. We will talk to you guys week after next, after the Saudi Arabian GP. And until then, we're going to finish the wine and eat the French onion soup. It's been brewing for four hours. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, it's the best room tone I've ever heard. Room tone? Ring tone? Room, room tone. The, the, room like tone. the resonance of the space? Oh, yes. Like okay. The, the, the tone. that from the name of the, of the phrase? Room tone? Yes. So, yeah. So proud. Every room, every space has a sound. Yeah. And today's room and space has the sound of French onion soup boiling. And an anthropology candle. You've been listening to Lights Out.